Here it goes. It seems that we live in a time when everyone wants to operate as a leader and no one wants to cooperate as a follower. Right? Following is an art. And the best leaders are those who have mastered the art of following. The best leaders are those who have mastered the art of following. The Lord told David in the book of Psalm 78 and verse number 70, this is what he said. I chose you and I took you from following. Where did God choose David? He chose him when he was what? Following. He said, I chose you when you were following. I found that to be interesting. That God watches how we follow. And he said, I chose you, David, when you were in the procession of following. And I love the way Jesus talked to his disciples. He just told them two things. Follow me. Two words. Follow me. Drop your nets and follow me. God looks for leaders who are good at following. God looks for leaders who are good at following. Take note that Jesus did not say, go and make leaders. He said, go and make disciples. The word disciple in the Greek literally means learners. Go and make learners. He never said, lead my people. Jesus never told his disciples, lead my people. He said, follow me. Disciples are disciplined followers. When Peter sinned, he did not lose sonship. He lost discipleship. The best discipleship plan is learned in fellowship. The best discipleship plan is learned in fellowship. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. That's a strong apostolic anointing. How dare he say, you follow me as I follow Christ. That's pretty confident, isn't it? Strong leadership has no problem telling people to follow. They have no problem. I said one time to a leader, I said, if you're wondering if you're a leader, just turn around and see who's following you. If no one's following you, you're just out for a walk. It's true. To follow means to watch steadily and to attend closely. There's an interesting dialogue about following between, between Jesus and Peter in John chapter 21, verses 20 and 22. Here's what it says. Then Peter turning about, you remember this message two weeks ago? He sees the disciple whom Jesus loved. And what was that disciple doing? Following. He saw John following. What did Peter see? John following. Very interesting. Peter seeing him said to Jesus, what about this guy? Jesus said to him, if I will that this guy tarry till I come, what is that to you? Follow me. Your business is not about how someone else follows, Peter. 
Your business is about how you follow. Peter knew what was going to happen with him, but he wanted to know what would happen to John. People have a tendency to judge how others follow. If you cannot respect how others follow, then you will never respect how others lead. Here's the lesson. Do not be distracted by the way others follow. Do not be distracted by the way others follow. And do not be discouraged by what you know about yourself and what you see in someone else. Psalm 78, 70. I chose you when you were following. God pays attention to followers. He pays attention to how you follow. Let me talk to you about this word. I actually wrote a book one time called The Inner Circle. If you do not have that book, it's for sale. <laughs> Barnes and Nobles, all the places, Amazon. I encourage you, get that book. The Power of Influence and Friendship. In this book, I talk about this word called next. Everyone say the word next. Put it in your comments right now, next. In the book of Nehemiah, chapter number one, the word next is used 16 times. The word after is used 16 times. The word next means to be adjacent or to be after. Next means to be adjacent or to be after. I think many times people get those two things confused. The difference between being adjacent and to being after. It is not good for man to be alone. So what did God do? He made a help me to stand where? Next to him. John the Baptist even said of Jesus, there is one coming after me. This is called the law of succession. Succession belongs to kingdom dynasties. And when we do not properly understand how succession works in the kingdom, we'll oftentimes miss our opportunity for what's next for us. God always operates in dynasties. And you know what, the, you know what puts jeopardy in dynasty? A free agent mentality. Which means I found a better place than this place. Guess what? Dustin don't get to choose who his daddy is. I'm his daddy. Don't matter what he says. I'm his daddy. And if we could ever get this father mindset in the church and get this whole sonship mindset back in the house of God, you know what I believe we would see? A lot more loyalty, a lot more commitment, a lot more cooperation, a lot more covenant, and we would make a lot more difference. Can you say amen to that? I'm going to take you through it here real quick. So I was going through it in my mind. The, I, I put it down like this. There are those that are assigned to be next to you. There are those that are assigned to be after you. Watch out now. 
But then there are those that are assigned for you to be after. Shall I say it again? There are those that are assigned to be next to you. There are those that are assigned to be after you. But here's the big question. There are those that are assigned for you to be after. If you're wondering where you are going, look at who you're following. Are y'all with me right now? If you're wondering where you are going, look at who you are following. That's a strong statement. (laughs) The purpose of following. Are you ready? Here it is. The purpose of following is to learn. The purpose of following is not to get. That's ambition. That's following with a motive. The purpose of following is to learn. Boy, that's strong, y'all. So that's why Jesus had no problem telling his disciples, follow me. Don't follow me for what you can get from me. Follow me because what I'm going to give to you. And there's a huge difference. So I'm going through all these followers in scripture, right? And I start thinking about Elijah, Elisha, Paul, and Timothy. But you know the one that stood out to me tonight in the 20 minutes I had to study? I did study for 20 minutes. And I drank a cup of coffee. And the one that stood out to me tonight is this girl named Ruth. If anyone knew how to follow, it's definitely Ruth. Boy, if you can ever get a woman to follow. (laughs) You've got a strong outfit. I just thought I'd say that because Mother's Day is coming up. But listen to it in Ruth chapter 1, verse, verse 14 through 18. They lifted up their voice. They're all weeping, right? Because Ruth is leaving. Leaving, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law. That was Naomi's other daughter-in-law. Two daughter-in-laws. Who were they? Orpah and Ruth. Y'all can talk back to me. Watch this. But Ruth claved to her. That's so strong. And she said, "Behold, your sister." Naomi said, "Your sister-in-law is going back to her people. Your sister-in-law went back to her gods." Go back with your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, entreat me not to leave you. Don't tell me to leave you. Don't tell me to return. Listen to the vocabulary. Do not tell me to return from following after you. For where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. You You can quote it, can't you? Your people shall be my people, and your God shall be my God. When you die, I'll die. Where you're buried, I will be buried. The Lord do so to me. And more also, if aught but death part you and me. Boy, that's some strong covenant. When she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left speaking unto her. In other words, Naomi said, I'm not going to change this girl's mind. It don't matter what I tell her, she is going to follow me. I think that is so cool that Ruth had such a determination to follow Naomi. 
When you get to Ruth chapter 2, I'll leave it alone. We see she's mastered this art because she goes to Naomi and she says, listen, let me go and glean in these fields. And when you read Ruth chapter 2, it's really cool because the Bible says Ruth went and she followed after the reapers. She just positioned herself to follow where the reaping was happening. If you're going to follow, at least follow people who are involved in the harvest. Talk back to me tonight. If you're going to follow, at least follow people that know how to deal with seed. Are y'all with me? If you're going to follow, at least follow people who are working in the field. Not sitting at home, not complaining, not sitting around judging others, people, other people's fellowship. If you're going to follow, at least follow laborers. Follow people that know how to deal with wheat. Man. And in verse 7, she said, let me gather after the reapers. Look back at verse 14. They lifted their voice, Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but... Here's the key word, Ruth clave unto her. It's the same Hebrew word that is used in the book of Genesis. A man shall leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife. I don't know that we've spent enough time on this cleaving idea. We talk a lot about the leaving. We don't speak a lot about the cleaving. And the word is really weld. Where two joints of pipe are welded, the strongest part of that union is not the pipe, it's the weld. Wouldn't it be great if we could form those kind of covenant relationships with our spouses? Where we're so welded, there's not room enough for anyone else to fit in. The weld is so good that nobody can get in the joint. It means to adhere, clave, she claved to her. This is powerful definition in the Hebrew. Listen to it. To catch something because of your pursuit. Clave, to catch something because of your pursuit. Whew. Elijah, Elisha. How many times did Elijah tell Elisha, wait here? Four times. He told him to wait here, wait here, wait here, wait here. And what did Elisha keep saying? I'm not leaving you, man. Why? Because you might drop something off that I need. Are y'all hearing me? Here's another thing. Leaders can't transfer what they're not carrying. Leaders cannot impart something that they are not carrying. You can't transfer what you don't have. You can't give, I'm going to say it country for you, you can't give what you ain't got. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So be sure that in your following, and everyone's following someone, we're not talking about social media. You're talking about having followers. You ain't having followers. You're having people that either like what you post or they don't like it. That ain't a follower. Because real followers, sometimes they don't like what you're doing but because they are committed to the process. They're not giving you hearts and thumbs. Are y'all in the building? They're giving you true commitment. 
Boy, it's, it's, it's strong, isn't it? All of this is covenant language. And that, this kind of language and vocabulary has been lost in the church today. And I just really believe we need to bring it back. This is kingdom vocabulary. This is all through scripture. I'm giving you one little example. And I'm telling you, when you find the anointing and you stay close enough, you'll never be around it that you're not catching something. Come on in this building. When you're around true leadership, I remember when I was working for Bishop Carlton Pearson, I was 19 years old. Can you believe that? Driving him all over the country, flying all over the United States with him. We flew to L.A., and we were staying with Bishop Charles Blake. Bishop Charles Blake was the bishop of the church body in Christ. He was the oversight bishop. And we were there for 21 days. And you know what old Rick Hawkins got to do? Drive those two guys around. Carlton Pearson and Charles Blake. 21 days. They in the back seat, I'm in the front seat. One night I'm driving them to dinner. And old Bishop Blake, now I'm not talking about the Charles Blake everybody knows now. I'm talking about his daddy. Old Bishop Charles Blake said, young man, patted me on the shoulder. He said, I like you. I said, well, thank you, Bishop. I like you as well. I said, can I ask you something? He said, yeah. I said, what do you like about me? He said that you, you don't talk. You just listen. He said, that's a very wise thing to do. When you're around men that have something to offer, they don't need your opinion. How old are you, son? I said, 19. He said, it would just do you good just to be up there and be quiet. And he was so right. I had nothing to add to their conversation. And for some reason, we all feel like our opinion really matters. And guess what? In most situations, it really don't matter. That's, you know, the old saying that says, that's why God gave you two ears and one mouth. Be quick to listen. Slow to speak. You're learning when you're listening. Amen. Look at your neighbor and tell him, can you catch it? Can you catch it? See, Ruth saw something in Naomi she didn't see in herself. Did y'all hear what I just said right there? Ruth saw something in Naomi she didn't see in herself. She knew if I could just be around her, I can gain something from her presence, from her dialogue, from her conversations, from her prayer life. I can learn something that will enhance me as an individual. Well, that's real following, y'all. That's a powerful, powerful thought. Can you say amen to that? How am I doing for 20 minutes of study? Good, pretty good. Okay, good, good. Just checking. I'm, you know, I have an inferiority complex. Y'all know that. So I want to show you something here. Let's keep going with Ruth. And I'm going to give you five parts to the art of following. And I got these when I sat at my desk. God brought me right to them and said, here it is. When you go to Ruth chapter 3, all this stuff has transpired between Naomi and Ruth. Orpah's gone. Now Boaz is in the picture. And let's get real, y'all. Steph, I'm sorry. Naomi's trying to hook this girl up. 
I'm saying, you, you can read it any way you want to read it. But boy, I'm telling you right now, this, this Naomi boy, she keeps pushing old pretty Ruth right in front of Boaz. Boaz coming down the hall. Ruth shows up. And when you read the story, that's really what's happening. It's all a setup for Ruth. That's how much Naomi loved her. And in chapter 3, verse 1, the Bible says, Then Naomi, listen to this mother-in-law now. Listen to this lady. Says to Ruth, my daughter. Now, notice that already. You done got out of the in-law status. You have followed so good that you my daughter now. You're not my daughter-in-law. She said, my daughter, shall I not seek rest for you that it may be well with you? And now is not Boaz of our kindred with whose maidens you were? Behold, he's taking care of the barley tonight in the threshing floor. <laughs> this woman right here, boy. I've been watching him, girl. He's right down there. I love this story. Watch what she says. Now, Ruth, wash yourself. Anoint yourself. Put your raiment on and get down there. And make not yourself known to the man. And it shall be when he lies down, you shall mark the place where he lies down. And you shall go in and uncover his feet. Oh, Giovanna. <laughs> and lay down there. And he will tell you what you should do. And she said unto her, all that thou sayest unto me, I'm going to do it. Now, you know, when I read that, I, I, I love the humorous part of it. And I love Naomi's wit, right, about hooking her daughter up with someone that she knows is super wealthy that she's ultimately going to get blessed by just because of what she does. So if you say, was there a little selfish motive behind it? Yes. <laughs> so she gets them all in place and all positioned and everything like that. But I start seeing deeper into this thing when I sat down at my desk today. Notice the five things that she says. She says, stay clean and clear. Stay clean. You know, in relationships, be it adjacent or after, it's very important for us to stay clean. You ever heard of this phrase, somebody's talking about somebody else, and they say, yeah, you're a good person, but they're a little messy. Okay, Stephanie and I have heard of that. Have y'all ever heard of that? They're a little messy. You know what that means? They get their hands and stuff. They ain't got no business getting their hands in. They get a little too close to stuff they don't need to get that close to. Everyone say this with me. Stay clean and clear. Yeah, the number one part of the art of following is stay clean and stay clear. Psalm 24 verse 3 says, Who shall ascend the mountain of the Lord? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. See, following can mess with you if you do not determine to keep a buffer between you and the person you're following. The whole thing of familiarity 
breeds contempt is very true. You have to be very careful, and it's not always the leader's fault. It's you wanting to be so close, you want in his business. You're not really trying to learn, you're trying to listen so you can talk. Stay clean and clear. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying to you? Even with your parents, don't go share your parents' business. My, my mom and dad, boy, they were big on that stuff. This is our house. What we do in here is our business. This, everyone say family business. That's family business. You stay clean and clear. Here's what Paul told Timothy. Timothy, my son, I entrust you with this command in keeping with the previous prophecies about you so that by them you might fight the good fight. Hold on to the faith, but keep a good conscience. Boy, that's strong. He tells him in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5, the goal of my instruction is the love that comes from a pure heart and a clear conscience and sincere faith. There's nothing worse than a dirty, guilty conscience. Are you hearing what I'm telling you tonight? There's nothing worse than carrying a filthy, unclear conscience, dirty conscience, nothing worse than that. And your unclear conscience is often, you often uh, excuse that as condemnation. Honey, that ain't condemnation. That ain't God's fault. That's your fault. Because you got involved in business that was none of your business. Everyone do this right here and say, stay clean and stay clear. Amen. Whose responsibility is that? That's ours. You understand what I'm saying? I've been in situations with those same two men that I mentioned earlier where they started talking about business that I know I did not need to hear. So you know what I would do? Excuse myself and leave until I felt like I could come back in their presence and they were talking about something that I had the capability and capacity to handle. That's called discernment, y'all. Amen? You find out about business that you only get involved in. Be clean, be clear. So she tells her, wash yourself. Number two, she says, anoint yourself. The anointing is powerful. Psalm 133 says this, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. Now watch this. That's cooperation. It's like the precious anointing upon the, what? The head that ran down the beard. So how does the anointing flow? It flows down. My God here tonight. I'm sorry, I feel the Holy Ghost now. The anointing flows down. The anointing don't flow up. The anointing flows down. Ooh, Lord have mercy. The question is, what headship are you under? Husbands, you ought to be carrying such an anointing in your house that your anointing is dripping down on your wife. Boy, that's strong. So the anointing flows down. The Bible tells us in the book of Ecclesiastes, let your garments always be white and your head like no anointing. Do you know that four of your five senses are located in your head? I'm teaching better than you saying Amen. Four of your five senses are located in your head. You know why most folks ain't got no sense? Because they ain't got no headship. 
covering is a powerful thing. Oh, I wish I had time to get into the school of the prophets where they're chopping with an axe and they lose what? The head of the axe. Because they were chopping with a head that was dull. And it fell into the stream. You know that. And who, who came to find it? Their head, the prophet. So where'd you lose it? Because when you're under real anointing, it always deals with stuff you lost. Where did you lose it? And if you really have proper headship, you'll never lose your edge. You'll always be sharp. Preaching good, Pastor Rick. Amen. So number one is what? Stay clean and clear. Number two is what? Be anointed. Number three, be distinguished. She said, put on your raiment. Not mine. The word raiment here in Hebrew is your mantle. The thing that distinguishes you, Ruth. Let me tell all of you something. You have a mantle that is your distinguishing mark in the earth. God has mantled you. I know that that is all deep spiritual stuff, but that's why Paul told Timothy, bring my cloak to me. He said, bring me parchment paper, but more importantly, bring my cloak. I need my mantle back. The Bible said when Elijah was in trouble, he, he wrapped his face with his mantle. It's time, listen, when you get in trouble, put your face back in your call. Put your face back in your purpose. Put your face back in what God has assigned you to do. So he, she tells her, she says, put your mantle on, girl, because your mantle is attractive. Lift your hands and say, my mantle is attractive. Come on, amen. Your mantle is attractive. What is your mantle? Your mantle is your measure of enablement in a particular region. Be it your job or the territory you live in. Good God have mercy. Quit walking around like you're not mantled for this generation. Your mantle signifies your authority. It signifies your house. It signifies your lineage. It's your distinguishing mark in this earth. Wear your mantle and wear it well. That's why Elijah dropped what off to Elijah? He could have dropped anything to Elisha, his follower. But what did he drop? His mantle. What's the first thing Elisha did? He picked that mantle up. He wanted to know if it would work for him like it did Elijah. And he went right back to the last place he saw it work. And he struck the Jordan and it opened up for him just like he did Elijah. Woo, Lord have mercy. I know this kind of preaching is foreign in this generation and that's why we don't have no power in the church because nobody talks about this whole gifting of the Holy Spirit, this whole mantling issue. Nobody talks to you about the anointing. Nobody talks to you about being clean. But I'm here to tell you the Bible is still the Bible and these are principles that if you apply them to, to your life, you will, work, you will walk in a powerful purpose through your life. You'll be effective. Somebody holler hallelujah, amen. Amen. Number four, put it in your comments if you're watching. Put it in your comments if you're watching. Watch what she says. When you get in there, go down to the floor. Don't go parading yourself, girl. Go down. Say this with me, the way up is down. How do you go up? Go down. Get in position. Go down. You know what I said? I put this down today. Positions and titles only define the degree of your servanthood. That just went right over your head. Positions and titles only define the degree of your servanthood. 
Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. But watch what he did. But made himself of what? No reputation. And took upon himself the form of a servant. This is the king of kings and lord of lords. Made himself in the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men being found in fashion as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, because of that, God now has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. The one that will be great will be the servant of all. That's what Jesus said. When you're invited to a dinner, do not sit at the head of the table. Amen. That's good. Amen. Naomi to Ruth, girl, don't go in there blowing your own horn. Be quiet. Be a servant. Watch the steps of Jesus. I wrote these down today. Here's how Jesus did it. He stepped down out of heaven. He stepped down to the earth. He stepped down into a stable. He stepped down into the dirt to forgive a woman's sin. He stepped down to wash his disciples' feet. He stepped down into the grave. He stepped down into hell. Every step Jesus made was a step down. Why are we raising a generation and pushing them to step up, step up, step up? The law of the call is Joseph went down to the pit. He went down to Potiphar's house. Before he ascended to the palace. Joshua went down into the Jordan. Before he went into Jericho. David went down into caves. For 20 years. Before he ever entered a castle. Daniel went down into a lion's den. Before he was promoted. Jonah went, Jonah went down. In the belly of a well. Whew. Isaac Newton said. What goes up. Must come down. But the law of the seed says what goes down must come up. Are y'all hear what I'm telling you? If we, will just, if we will just take the road down, humble ourselves, God will lift us up. What's number one, y'all? Stay clear and clean. What's number two? Be anointed. What's number three? What's number four? Get in position. All right, watch this now. The way up is down is number four. Here's number five. Let your gift make room for you. I remember when we was in revival in San Antonio, and we were growing 33% a year, and we had 4,500 people in church on Sunday, 1,800 on Wednesday night. Things were blowing up. I had this guy show up with a guitar. He's walked in with his guitar. People running everywhere. He's looking at stage and he's looked at me and said, where do you want me to plug in? I said, what's your name? He told me his name. I said, do I know you? And he said, no. I said, have I ever heard you play the guitar? He said, no, sir. I said, and you're asking me, where do I want you to plug in? He said, yeah. I said, right there, plug your tail into that seat, right there. <laughs> Sit down. Let me tell you something. When you come in tooting your horn about I've, I've got this many gifts and I've been through all, let me tell you something. You're just closing the door on your own self. 
Why do you say that? Watch what she tells her. Make not yourself known. Don't go in Boaz's room hollering, I'm Ruth and Naomi sent me here. Go in and be quiet. Why? Psalm 75 verse 5. Lift not up your horn on high. Speak not with a stiff neck, proud. For promotion does not come from the east or the west or from the south. But God is the judge. God puts down one and God sets up another. Amen. So don't be blowing your own horn, Ruth. Let God do it. And guys, I'm telling you, if we would build churches on these five principles, man, Lance, it'd be a blast, wouldn't it? It's hard dealing with egos. It's hard dealing with people that walk in saying, where do I plug in? But if we all just learn the art of following, that's what Jesus taught. Follow me and I will make you. Follow me and I will make you. Have you learned anything tonight? I hope you have. I know this is, this is Josh's series and he's doing a great job with it. He actually sent me over his notes and his notes were powerful. And I sent them back to him and I said, man, that's your notes. If God can't speak to me in 20 minutes after preaching for 40 years, I've got problems. And I said, save yours for next week and then do it the following week and then we'll run right into Pentecost. But I know God will speak to me tonight. And I know he did. And I pray that he spoke to you tonight. Folks, you can go to the bookstore. I say it all the time. You're listening to me online right now. Go to the bookstore tomorrow, any Christian bookstore, and you're going to find hundreds of books on leadership. I can promise you what you're not going to find. You're not going to find one on followership. There's not one in there that tells you how to follow. They all tell you how to lead. This generation, following is the push of a click. It's a click of a button. It's a heart. It's a thumb. That's what following is to this generation. But true spiritual following involves commitment. It involves covenant. It involves sacrifice. It involves discipline. It involves discipleship. It, 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 devolves, it involves submission. It involves accountability. That's true following. I put in the other day, I was talking about accountability in regards to following. You know, accountability is just a word. You don't know if people are accountable to you till it comes time for them to be accountable. Amen. Same thing with submission. You don't know if people are submitted until it's time to submit. Isn't it true? And those kind of words have been lost today and we need to bring them back to the body of Christ. Let me say this in closing in regards to following. Accountability does not build relationship. Did you hear what I said? You can't say, we're going to be accountable and build a relationship out of that. No, relationship builds accountability. You're not going to be accountable to anyone you're not in relationship with. Can you say amen to that? Father, I thank you for this time with these incredible people tonight. And I pray, God, that you would speak to all of our hearts about how we follow you. Help us to be good disciples. And help us go and make disciples of men. Help us 
to recapture the art of following, even in our lives, to be good followers, to be learners, not just getting stuff all the time, but learning stuff all the time. In Jesus' name. Everyone said amen.